Welcome to a very special episode of Wikisift, a shallow dive into pop. Ugh, wow. Okay. Welcome to a very. <laughs> Every time. A shallow dive into pop culture and fandom. Today we're going to be talking about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. I'm Tom, he's even... I... <laughs> You're who now? I'm trying to rush this, and my, my tongue isn't as fast as my brain. Uh, I'm Tom, he's an evil genius white, and today I am joined by... Uh, I'm Steve-O from uh, Friday Night Fan Fiction. And I am Mike the Birdman from uh, ThisWeekInGeek.net. So, what this show is normally about is taking a peek at obscure and ridiculous trivia from fandoms that we do not participate in, but today things are going to be a little bit different. Usually we talk about things we have no expertise in and just read up on fan wikis or what have you, but for our April episode, we'll be talking about something we actually know quite a bit about. Uh, I myself read a lot of Star Wars novels when I was in high school, and I had a book called The Essential Guide to Characters, which I studied like it was necessary to graduate. Uh, I invite Mike on because he too knows a lot about Star Wars. I grew up around this in pretty much the golden time for Star Wars legend stuff. Like I remember reading the uh, Timothy Zahn tr uh, Thrawn trilogy over the course of like a summer back in the early nineties. I have, I have a good chunk of the Star Wars West End role-playing game. I've interviewed Bill Slavisek who wrote a good chunk of the Star Wars expanded universe a couple of years ago. So I've lived and breathed Star Wars for decades. I used to run one of the largest Force FX uh, lightsaber websites back in the day. And I got into podcasting because I used to listen to Star Wars Action News, which is one of the first podcasts that gained any real traction in the early uh, 2000s. So uh, Star Wars and me have a long and complicated relationship. Uh, I... I have not as much experience. I have I listened to the Timothy Zahn trilogy, and I think I died in both Rebel Assault 1 and 2, and that's my extent of Star Wars. So we all know the Thrawn trilogy then. Um, I, I kind yes. of want to say, uh, here's kind of the thing about Star Wars. Uh, in the 90s, uh, Star Wars fans were just as nerdy as a and obsessive as Star Trek fans, but Trekkies had two long-running series and six movies to nerd out over. Uh, like, Star Wars fans just had three movies and a crappy holiday special, so they focused a lot of attention on just a few hours of video. We just studied everything. Um, hey, man, are we not going to talk about the fucking Ewok movies? They <laughs> oh, count! Yeah. I guess so. Um, yeah, there's Look, if like we're going to talk about those, and... we can also bring up the VHS that came with the Star Wars video board game. And, oh and my the God, comics. I forgot about that. <laughs> there's... True, but I, I think like... <laughs> the game was fun all of once before everybody else knew when Darth Vader was going to announce the countdown. <laughs> I, I, well, primarily, though, our focus was on those three movies, though. Um, I, I yes. remember I had a friend who knew even more about Star Wars than me when I was in high school... So I would always try to stump him with trivia questions. Um, and there's even one time when I came up with one that I thought was impossible, and I still couldn't stump him. I said to him, 
Uh, okay, in the first Star Wars movie, how many stormtroopers did they face on the Death Star? I thought, you know, I had... There's no way he could possibly figure that out. And he's like, okay, well, uh, stormtroopers come in squads of 12. So they... they, ha- they met up with one squad when they first came and they were boarded and then another when they were at the speaker when they rescued leia when they came out of the garbage masher so that's six squads you're telling so us that he figured it out yeah he, now, he just did the math. i'd be asking this guy now i would be asking this guy all right so which cut are we talking about here <laughs> because at, during the 90s you would have the two separate cuts the original version and then the special editions which added more stormtroopers in the training yeah, that, room that so, is absolutely there true you go. but um i think this was i'm still pretty... very upset my dad threw away his original vhs's when the special oh, edition no. came out oh no yeah. <laughs> Um, so, and now we have creepy VHS Java. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think Star Wars novels were kind of an extension of like that sort of nerdy obsession over just a few like hours of video, because uh, like authors picked apart every single little detail for stuff to expand upon. Because like every background character you see for like five seconds had official canon written about them. I'd also, I would like to say, because we did talk about it recently as well, the Star Wars books in general are way, way better than the Star Trek books. Well, of the Star Trek books we covered, but there's over 800 of them. So. <laughs> um, okay, yes, of the ones we covered. Mike, I don't know if you read the uh, Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina book or Tales I did, actually. That Yep, I've read all of them that were released at the time. I read... Uh, Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, Tales from Jabba's Palace, right. Tales of the Bounty Hunters. Oh yeah, all those. Yeah, basically those are three books that just focus their attention on every single background character in one scene of the original trilogy. Awesome. And some of those so stories were actually really good at the time. They and, were. And uh, really kind of fleshed out more of the Star Wars, or yeah, more of the Star Wars universe than was something that we uh, typically knew. Um, one of the stories I remember specifically, if I mean, if you want to talk about weird fucking shit, <laughs> in uh, Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina, there's a character, I can't remember the name, it's something Janko or something, hmm. and his thing is he's some kind of like a vampire and to give you the idea of which character i'm talking about when they're in the cantina there's a there's a shot of a guy with something that looks like a hookah or something right dr evazan or something like that no no no. this is a completely different guy so this guy he looks like a he looks like like a distinguished business guy and he's sitting at the cantina and he's smoking or drinking something from what looks like a hookah and if I remember this story correctly, his name was Danik Janko or something along those lines. And he was after Han Solo. And the reason he wanted to kill Han Solo is he wanted to, quote unquote, drink his soup. And the right. reason he wanted to drink his soup, yeah, his luck, because he was the luckiest um, Sabic player who had like ever lived or some bullshit like that. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's an interesting direction to take a character who's on screen for about two and a half seconds or the tales of Muftak and Cabe, the the big guy and the little <laughs> white mouse looking person I thought was pretty right. cool. I think I remember Jodo Cass getting introduced in the Boba Fett story. 
Mm. Um, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, the soup was made up out of people's brains. Yeah, it was like their brains or their blood or whatever. It was something really fucking weird. Yeah. Um, th- they had their weird okay, moments for then. sure. <laughs> I like so. Um, the you remember in the, the cantina, there's like one character who 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 looks like a cartoon devil. And he's like all red. Oh, the Devorian, yeah. Yeah, he's a Devoronian. Uh, that's the name of his race. And the a little he, on the nose. Yeah, the reason he's like has that fiendish grin. Um, a Star Wars author decided that he hatched a scheme to get his favorite band to play at the cantina, and it worked. And he got to hear his favorite band. <laughs> now, didn't they expand his story kind of later on, where like he was? a rebel pilot at the battle <laughs> of, of like, and yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive. It was him. They gave this character another story, or it was a Devronian character. And they were at the battle of Endor and they were in an a wing and they died and <laughs> they got to see their own death from the surface of Endor after they passed away and they met other rebel pilots who died. I'm not sure if I'm remembering the details, right? Maybe this was a dark horse comic at the time, but I'm pretty sure that I read this. That's not something I'm familiar with. So, uh, so uh, before we dive into some of the really <laughs> wacky stuff, I feel like I should probably familiarize uh, people with a few characters and settings, uh, um, that are kind of canon to like they're kind of so, essential. So, how reading. much should people listening to this have already known about the Star Wars? I'm going to assume that they just know about the movies. Um, and okay, I'm going to fill in a few like minor details to help them to understand. Um, so, we've got the Thrawn trilogy, which I think is kind of the core of a lot of the the fiction that uh, out there. It introduced the characters of Thrawn, um, Mara Jade, and uh, Joris Sabaoth, who, who I had to look up how to pronounce this name because, like, <laughs> so Thrawn was a, an alien. Uh, he had blue skin and um, glowing red eyes, and he was like a legit evil genius. When every he was kind of very evil, like every kind of sci-fi villain was called an evil genius, but they always had dumb plans that didn't make sense. Um, I feel like. Like Timothy Zahn uh, decided, okay, well, like what if, what if one of these so-called evil geniuses actually was a genius, and uh, and it was actually really cleverly written. Like, um, like all you really need to know about Thrawn is he's able to defeat any army, any military force by studying their artwork. And you know, it actually sounds kind of contrived when you put it like that, but it's actually really well done. Um, oh no, I, Jade, I, I I know, but like that's that's like the the mood yeah. that we're going for. Yeah, George uh, Sabath is he's he's a weird one because he's a clone of the original George Sabath, but uh, because he's a clone, they added an extra U to his name, um, and this has become kind of um, canon throughout all of the novels. Every time there's a clone, they just add um, an, an extra, extra vowel. Yeah, and uh, and so like the original Joris Sabaoth was um, was a Jedi, um, the clone uh, because the cloning uh, process like messes with your mind and makes you unhinged. Um, turned to the dark side, and uh, the guy was like completely off his rocker, um, and Thrawn manipulated him to do all kinds of really cool stuff. 
Um, th- those are kind of like the important characters from that. Uh, I think later on they they did the Young Jedi Knight series where they introduced, uh, or they didn't introduce, but they fleshed out Han and Leia's kids. They had um, two they had two twins named Jason and Jaina. Um, and then later they had um, another son named Anakin. Anakin, Anakin Solo. Yeah, like save name your uh, kid after the guy who blew up your uh, homeworld. That sounds <laughs> insane. Very yeah, honorable. A guy, a guy who was by all intents considered a mass murderer on a giant scale. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, and this is my son, little Adolf. I hope you guys will play nice together yeah, with the rest of the say, other Jewish kids. You know what yeah, I mean? I was gonna like, say it's fuck, like guys. It's like Anne Frank named her kid Adolf. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so, bad. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Jason and Jaina uh, were the young Jedi Knights uh, series, and they were trained to be Jedi under Luke, and uh, they. Um, became friends with Chewbacca's nephew named Lobaka, and someone else, some other girl named Tenelka, and because they need four. Uh, <laughs> um, Steve, did you ever get into Shadows of the Empire? Uh, I think I play. I definitely beat the N sixty four game and read the attachment book. I, all I remember was space drugs. <laughs> the prince, what's his face? Prince Sizor? Shizor, uh, Sh- yeah. Shizor, yeah. That prince Sizor, yeah, yeah, he's a freaking Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember Prince Shizor, and, and I remember it being kind of competent, but that was also, yeah. I think it was 12. <laughs> yeah, it was also like, it, it went in a weird direction for Star Wars because it was weirdly adult. There's yeah. like all kinds of like references to like sex and whatnot, and it's like, this is Star Wars. People aren't supposed to have sex in Star Wars. They just... <laughs> there are no gangbangs in space. What the fuck? <laughs> Little Anakin just came to be. Oh, I'm sorry. Boy, We're calling him Little a... Adolf now, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Little Adolf and his lightsaber. All right, so... What? Oh, boy. I, I Rejected MPT kind of... uh, TV shows. <laughs> I think that's enough basic background. Uh, Shadows of the Empire, actually, I should say, is um, was kind of interesting because it wasn't just a book. And uh, Dash Rendar, game. they they basically made like an entire chain of things that were released at the same time as sort of a cross promotion. So it was a video game, it was a comic, it was a novel, just a whole bunch of things. It was an interesting. There approach. was even a role playing game supplement too, which I have. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. That does make sense. Okay, so now that you have that as a background, let's get into some of the weird stuff. Um, what I what I invited Mike onto this show, um, I said I want to talk about the absurd stuff in the extended uh, universe. Uh, the very first thing is like, oh, you mean like when they dropped a moon on Chewbacca? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I know. <laughs> the use on Vong shit—it's a cool idea, but so stupidly executed. Are those the insects? <laughs> Yeah, they're the uh, intergalactic insect things that come on a world ship from the unknown regions and then basically utterly obliterate the Republic, the Empire, and then they repel them because, I don't know, the fucking power of friendship or something stupid. I don't know. 
I stopped I giving a shit when they dropped the moon on Chewie. I'm like, all right, fuck you. I'm out. I remember I, I remember listening to that because I was listening to the audiobooks and I had to stop swimming at the time because I'm like, wait, what just happened to Chewbacca? <laughs> I, I just had to go to back say, a couple really... of minutes to be sure. I just want to say it was really trippy when I went to see like the new movie and um, Han Solo was killed by his kid. And it's like, wait, but it's supposed to be Chewbacca dies while Han Solo's watching. And now Han Solo is being killed while Chewbacca watches. It's like, you it's know, little, it's just yeah. you're, you're used to one Star Wars universe. And then you see on this screen a completely contrary version of the Star Wars universe. And you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know that they declared all the books non-canon and things were like totally, um, like the canon was completely thrown out the window before that because the the prequels, um, contradicted everything. But it's still like it, you know it's just a really trippy moment. Yeah, no, I I was in I'm I'm still in that boat a little bit. Um, but I think my favorite uh, absurd thing about the. Um, about the expanded universe is all these bigger, badder star destroyers. <laughs> no, um, see, when I was like a little kid and I watched Star Wars and I heard the term star destroyers, like, oh, that sounds cool. It's because it's like it, it implies that they destroy stars. And then I get older and then I'm like, oh, you know, th those are just different classifications of ships, like real life ships. You have like frigates and destroyers and cruisers and whatnot. Corvettes. Yeah, 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 they have like star versions of all of those, and I'm like, okay, that yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, apparently, whoever wrote these uh, books and comics didn't get the memo on that because they're like, there's a star destroyer. It's even better than star destroyers, and they're called world devastators. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're basically like these giant Borg cube-like things. And they're these giant foundries, and the idea is kind of neat. But if the Empire had these things, because let's not forget when the world devastators were mentioned, this is after the Emperor's been dead for a long time. By the way, they cloned him. Um, big <laughs> yep. fucking surprise. Oh, what a surprise. Yeah. What a surprise. So the world devastators were just hidden on his, like, fortress world <laughs> abyss, I think it's called, which is in the deep galactic core. Don't me, don't get me fucking started on how wrong the physics are, but sure, hyperspace. Um, but yeah, like he would have, and there was another one that was worse than that. It was a super star destroyer. It was bigger than a super star destroyer and it could mount something called a galaxy gun. <laughs> I forgot about the galaxy gun. Yeah, it could launch projectiles through hyperspace to hit a planet, and boom. Basically, it's like Starkiller base, but somehow stupider. Um, and that idea is fucking stupid, too. Um, I just think the, yeah. the name World Devastator sounds so bad. <laughs> Like there's no what about the sun the crusher? Of yeah, like, the sun crusher is th the next like one. This is like super soaker classifications <laughs> yeah. of like ultra wetness of believability. It's fucking Dragon Ball meets <laughs> fucking Star Wars. It's so dumb. Like you're going to have the ultra instinct Star Destroyer next. Or, woo, that's that. That's Darth Vader blue. Don't fuck with him. Like it's so. World Obliterator plus ultra. 
Anakin's. This isn't even my final form, Anakin. Like, it's fucking so dumb. Like, there are so, so many weird classifications of ships. I mean, I, I have to finish this thought. But since uh, you brought up World Devastators, I'm so glad yeah. you did. Um, they started talking about new Rebel Alliance ships. And the Rebel Alliance has this weird obsession with ships named after the alphabet. Right. Um, so there's the E-Wing Fighter. Try and picture that in your head. It's like a flying fucking comb. Uh, there's the <laughs> E-Wing bomber. E -wing is what maybe E-Wing is referencing the noise the pilot makes. It's just so <laughs> stupid. It's a reference to the basketball player. So, um... <laughs> Oh, Ewing. It, oh, that's God. pronounced Ewing. That's amazing. That's a deep cut. I appreciate that, Tom. I, I didn't think that was that deep, but anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah. No, it just shows you've been playing NBA Jam recently. So uh, there's also, yeah, there's the Sun Crusher. Uh, the Sun Crusher is basically a fighter that can cause a star to go supernova, and it looks absolutely ridiculous. Um Oh, and you can't kill it no matter what you shoot at it because it's made of crystalline armor. Fuck off. Can you say that more like a second yeah. grader? I didn't believe it. Uh, well, so you see, it blows up stars and you can't hurt it even with the Death Star. So I win. <laughs> so Every high school argument ever in the 1990s. So the, what the Sun Crusher looks like... Um, you have to try a to suppository this. that flies. It's okay. So imagine like the cockpit of an A wing, um, but underneath it is like this really oblong like pyramid that like comes down into a like a point that's like it's like five times higher than it is uh, wide, and then at the very bottom, Mom, your sci-fi alphabet soup is impractical. <laughs> and at the very bottom, there's like a little satellite dish. That shoots like a special torpedo that hits a sun and causes it to go supernova. Oh, it's not lasers? They don't do this with lasers? Uh, no. no, it uses something called quantum torpedoes and blah, blah, blah. I remember seeing the Sun Crusher because, again, I had this source book for the Jedi Academy trilogy by Kevin J. Anderson. And I described this ship growing up like it looks like something you stick up up your ass it looks like a suppository and it's just so ridiculous and the guy who pilots it is the most edgy emo 90s edgelord kid ever kip Durin. shadow the hedgehog yes this is shadow the hedgehog but with a lightsaber and he's like Ooh, he's oh, mysterious. No. and he's so oh. powerful and luke's like oh i gotta train you you're such a badass jedi and kip's like nah man i gotta do it this way and i'm gonna steal it and kill the empire and then Admiral Dalla, when they bring her into this thing, and there happens to be, just so happens, uh, more of this trilogy. There is a place called the Maw, which is a great idea. It's a place surrounded by black holes, so yeah, sure. And in the middle of it mm -hmm. is an Imperial research facility where the guy, I think they kept the name in canon but i'm not 100 sure the guy who developed the death star from rogue one dr krennic or whatever either way some scientists developed the superstructure for the death star and they just happened to leave it in the middle of the maw because why keep you know it's a good use of resources so why not um 
And I remember Kip Duran flew the Sun Crusher into the Maw, and I think that's how they get rid of it, is they throw it into a black hole. But it's just the amount of damage this thing survived. And I think Luke rescues him by putting him in a force trance and pulls him out of a... It's so dumb. But the 90s was so weirdly peak Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Tom, I'm going to... Do you remember what would be the pinnacle of Star Wars fiction in the 1990s? And it happened immediately after Return of the Jedi. And it's a book called Truce at Bakura. Oh, do you know? That, oh, that was boy. the first Star Wars novel that I read. And it was like, you poor bastard. You poor yeah, bastard. It was like the. Um, it, it was it was like when I was like into anything that it'll be Star Wars. And it was before I read like the really good ones. So I'm just like, well, it's OK. I mean, it's like. I guess it's like a new Star Wars thing. He cuts some people's heads off. Um, you know, good times. Um. <laughs> As a Skywalker does, right? <laughs> there was a book, and Tom, I would, because you're you're probably too old for this, but I'm too old for this. There was a series of young Jedi novels that came out mm -hmm. in and around this time, and it introduced the weirdest bit of canon that i'd ever seen hmm. did you know darth vader had a son oh did no. you know he had three eyes yes uh, triclops uh, wait blinky yes blinky the dark jedi with the glove of darth vader Whoopie okay fucking uh, do well now that i have blinky darth vader and shadow the lightsaber in my head i don't think i'll ever be able to get that out i'm glad <laughs> you brought this up because i've been waiting to show this image um <laughs> so um i'm gonna send this to steve-o so um oh boy <laughs> this is one of my this is my favorite star wars related image i think of all because uh okay so here's the thing um what was his name? Triclops or whatever. He, uh, yeah, there's, there's two characters with Triclops. three eyes and one of them's the son of the other or something. Anyway. So he, he kidnaps, I think princess Leia and, uh, forces her to marry him. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> but right before the ceremony, the good guys swap her out with an Android that looks exactly like her. And yep, life model decoy in star Wars. And as they're giving the vows, she shoots lasers from her eyes and shoots them right through the chest. And this image is so good. Everyone needs to see this. Now, it's funny. Um, I was watching a video on this in preparation for this. Um, allegedly, under imperial law, if the emperor takes a wife, for example... Uh, that person no longer is a person by by imperial law. Uh, the emperor's wife is now considered his property. So, oh. oh, yeah, there's a bunch of other weirder imperial laws. For example, if let's say a moth doesn't like Bob down the street and he wants to take out a bounty or a hit on them. He has to file a form, not even kidding, <laughs> to tell the Empire, by the way, I want to kill Bob. Are you cool with this? And 
Now, it's different. If you put a bounty out on uh, somebody... you've been 4 and 17. <laughs> so, if you put a bounty on somebody, you have to file a form. If you hire an assassin, which is a separate form, not even kidding, this is in the Bounty Hunter source book, that target has to be legally informed. So, that person <laughs> has a chance to run. You have to give them a chance, which is kind of funny. Also, in the Imperial standing orders for the entire Galactic Empire, this I think it's still in canon. I'm not 100% sure. The Empire does have a standing order to not be racist to aliens, which we know from reading Star Wars legend material that Thrawn was the first alien, a Chiss, to ascend yeah. to the role of Grand Admiral. So right. That was like a huge... <laughs> That was a huge, like, exception. Like, like aliens were not tolerated in the Empire, uh, uh, except under very extreme circumstances. And uh, Exactly. Like, he happened to you be, had... like, completely brilliant and was, like, um, completely revolutionized uh, their, their army. And so that's the only reason he was able to rise through the ranks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's just so many other weird imperial things too. Like for example, uh, it is punish. Uh, one of the, it's theorized that why the empire's ranks are so huge. There's a real world uh, method when you when you enroll in the army or any armed services. If they need you, they can extend your service indefinitely in times of war. And if you choose to leave, um. You could be in if you were in Star Wars, if you were, say, a, a admiral or something and you said, hey, Emperor, I'm kind of getting a little old. I don't think I can do this anymore. And if he says, yeah, well, too fucking bad. And if you say, well, I'm going to leave anyway, he can kill you because that's standard imperial law. Also, if you play the old Republic's national anthem, punishable by death. Princess Leia was expelled from her school on Alderaan because she hacked into the PA system and played that. So Princess Leia is Bart Simpson. This is weird, man. But yeah, it's so many weird little things. Oh, and I found this out today. Tom, yeah. Steve-O, you're going to love this. Okay, so oh when you get a medical exam in Star Wars, you would presume getting a blood test would just be a part of the standard battery of tests, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm assuming most species have blood in Star Wars, so... Okay, so let's say on your medical forms, when you get a blood test back, if you test for midichlorians, the doctor, the attending physician is not allowed to tell you and is not allowed to investigate it further. Again, punishable by death. Because <laughs> there's a character in Star Wars who finds out Oh, this character has really high midichlorians. Should I tell somebody? No, don't do it. Why? They'll kill you. So literally, oh. something that will show up on a routine blood test, because that's a thing, will get you executed in Star Wars. So paperwork can get you killed. And I'm I'm guessing that my hopes for HIPAA are, like, <laughs> none. I'm just no. surprised they have all of these rules because it seems like in the movies they just arbitrarily kill people and they don't have to fill out any forms or anything. Actually, I can answer that. So there is a rule, another standing imperial order. You are to use any means necessary. No, that is all the order says to app to 
eliminate a known criminal. Now, that can mean capture or kill, but that wording's a little bit vague. So if you need to vaporize a space station, well, there was a guy on it. He was trouble. That's Sun what, Crusher. Sun here Crusher. I come. <laughs> and the reason they do that is so they don't have people clogging up the Imperial courts with due process. In addition to this, did you know the Empire are really big envir- in- environmentalists? <laughs> if you see an endangered species on a planet, you are not to land on that planet. You're supposed to get the fuck out and leave or be killed. <laughs> So the Empire, if you fuck with the equivalent of a panda in the Star Wars universe, you's going to die. So it's basically a lot of do this be killed, do that be killed. Uh, just a lot of death. Yeah, but I, I it makes things so much simpler. It's it's a, evil. a thing where there's like probably hundreds of Star Wars authors at this point, and they all have different ideas about what the um, Star Wars universe should be, and they all kind of have to mesh together, but they clash like you wouldn't believe. (laughs) There was a guy, I, I interviewed him years ago, or I interviewed somebody who reported directly to him, and he was the person in charge of Star Wars canon at Lucas, and I think he was there up until about 2015 or 2016, And I remember talking with somebody about this. And I'm like, how do you keep the canon straight? Mm -hmm. Shoulder shrug. They try their best. But in the old era of Star Wars Legends, good luck. Um, Like like the time Luke got turned into a droid by a dinosaur. (laughs) Hold on. Wish. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Can we get a little bit of background on that? Let's go back to the mid-90s, children. One of the first books, and we talked about this briefly just a couple minutes ago. It, the book is called Truce at uh, Bukura, and there's this enemy race called... Re- yeah, I'm actually going to read part... Uh, the, they're a <laughs> race of dinosaur-like people, and they're called the uh, the Siruk. And the Siruk right. had, a, had a process called Intechment, and the Intechment would put your life energy into a droid or to power other kinds of machinery. So Luke had his energy transformed into like a protocol droid for part of that novel. And I remember reading this and that's almost when I walked away from star Wars books for the first time, (laughs) there were three books that I hate. One was that one. That was a chore to read. One was one called the crystal star or the children of the Jedi. It was one or the other, either way, both are bad. And then it was when the Yuzon Vong dropped the moon on Chewbacca because physics. Um, You're really not going to let that go. Are you? <laughs> no, you don't drop a moon on Chewie. Not saying <laughs> you shoot him so- in the head. But... <laughs> just Is it better than like do. a very mediocre death? Chewie got an infected paper cut and died. I'm glad he didn't die from dehydration from <laughs> diarrhea, but that somehow might've been more dignified. Chewie died of dysentery on the Oregon Trail. He died on the toilet in the Millennium Falcon. (laughs) (laughs) Chewie, you okay? Chewie? He died on the toilet choking on peanut butter. (laughs) Actually, here's a question. How does Chewbacca wipe his ass? He must smell terrible. (laughs) Think about it. 
Just say it. I don't want to think about it. You are now. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, oh. so uh, one thing I want to talk about is all the clones. Uh, so oh. I mentioned how when they clone someone, they add like an extra vowel. They they went hog wild with this after a while. So after Joris Sabaeth, they have Luke Skywalker with two U's. Luke Skywalker. They've got Chewbacca. At, at one point, they cloned uh, Han Solo's son, Jason, and they went Jason Solo. And there's a Mara Jade. There's an Anakin Solo. There's a Sheezor. There's a Booba Fett. There is an actual Booba Fett. <laughs> Okay, so do you think that they went up to Lucas and said, how do we distinguish the clones from the originals? Just add another you. And, and That's what okay. I do when I make the characters anyway. <laughs> Have fun. And no fooling, there is a Luke Skywalker with three U's because they cloned him again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> being a Star Wars fan is fun, isn't it? <laughs> he is. Um. <laughs> I Most I read of that about fight. something. I read about mm-hmm. something that um I thought was canon. I had to look into it. It was just something a fan made up. But um I, f- considering how weird the Star Wars universe is, I actually thought this was true. Um, that there is a super duper star destroyer that's built around a Death Star. And it's so big that it deploys Imperial class Star Destroyers like fighters. Actually, I want to say there is something in canon not entirely dissimilar to that. When you look at the new trilogy, I know one of the Super Star Destroyers used by the First Order does hold Star Destroyers in its bays, which... Mm. If I remember right, I'm probably wrong, but I seem to remember this fairly accurately because I remember asking somebody at the time, like, does this have game stats? How the hell do you do that? Also, you want to talk about weird? I want Mm -hmm. you to think about reality for just a moment. We're going to come back to the real world now. You you should see the crew complements of some of these Imperial vehicles. For example, like a Star Destroyer has a crew of thousands. The Death Star had a crew that was, I think, well over 100,000, maybe even higher than that. So obviously, fairly sizable platform. But I think a Super Star Destroyer had a crew of, I want to say, 10,000 people. And the ship was eight kilometers long. World Devastators were obviously bigger than that. They had a bigger crew. And the main reason I bring this up is you. I want you to think about... People who work on these vessels, they're not just all (laughs) stormtroopers, soldiers, all people that are military. There is a guy in Star Wars. This would make sense. There is a guy who is assigned to be a cook in Star Wars. There's a janitor walking the hallways of the Death Star right now. And there's somebody whose job is the electrical engineer who literally his only responsibility is to walk around and change the light bulbs. On these different classes of Imperial vehicles. Do you, it's kind of amazing. So that answers the question of how many Imperial soldiers it takes to change a light bulb. Yeah, there you go. There is somebody who went just, through- ju- just one, and it's his job. Yep. And it's so weird, because you look at the logistics of Star Wars. I mean, Star yeah. Trek 
kind of makes a little bit more sense when you look at the crew complements of the different vessels of Starfleet. But Star Wars is so ridiculous in its scale and size. Mm. It's space fantasy as opposed to science fiction, which is how I make the distinction between the two. But it always drives me crazy when you think about how do you maintain some of these vehicles or how do you like, yeah, there must be people. There must be like a team of engineers. I want to go back a quick second because I didn't get more information on why Blinky with radiation poisoning got shot by Tracer's laser eyes as a preacher looks on in uh, what the hell is it? Uh, An F-Zero car. Okay, well, um, okay, so he kidnapped Princess Leia to force her to marry him, but then they swapped her, the good guys swapped her out with an android that looks exactly like her. And Right. And so she, so in the middle of the wedding ceremony, she blasted him through the chest. That was their plan. As one okay, does. Okay, then. That's the best ending to The Bachelor ever. <laughs> I was about to say, this week on The Bachelor. Zap! I, I think my favorite I, thing about this picture is just the um, the happy expression on her face as she ends him in the middle of his wedding. It's very it's got a very Dr. Manhattan look to it, only Dr. Manhattan had a good morning coffee. <laughs> yeah, there is so much goofy shit in there. And I remember that in that book series the one of the characters and i hated the name because it was just so lazy uh one of the characters has a a droid compatriot of some type and his name was dj88 that is the most eight or the most 90s name i can imagine <laughs> uh, i mean the only way it could be worse I, is if his name was thank rad you for my Thank you for my Eurobeat pseudonym. Yeah, exactly. It's DJ88. Like, it's just so weird. And somehow this got through Lucasfilm approval because at that time, everything was considered canon until it wasn't. Like, even some of the things you see now have legacy counterparts. I mean, Thrawn eventually became canon because of Timothy Zahn and because of the Clone Wars and Rebels. That became canon. Some of the stuff that was introduced in the role-playing games became canon um, later on. But the stuff that was in the books, some of it would make it, some of it wouldn't. One of the things that surprised me the most is to go back to a a 90s novel, which is one of my favorites. The author passed away late last year. His name was Dave Wolverton, and he wrote a book called The Courtship of Princess Leia, where Han Solo won a planet in a card game. <laughs> oh, oh, was it a small planet? Like one of those tiny islands you get in a Florida swamp? It was a very notable planet because wait for this one. It, it the planet was called Dathomir. Dathomir was home to the Night Sisters and the Force I was Witches. Say, that sounded familiar. Yep, and then they took this idea later in canon and the Night Brothers are Zabrak, Zabrak are, you guessed it, folks, drumroll, please, Darth Maul. Yeah. Because Ugh. why not, right? Um, and it's it's funny. Now I want to see Darth Maul as Brack from the Brack show instead. <laughs> yes. But yeah. Hi, everybody. I got the two-handed lasers on. <laughs> Check this shit out. Don't but touch yeah. me. <laughs> Don't touch me. 
Yeah, it is really bizarre what ended up being canon what did. One thing that I always scratch my head about is... Okay, you remember the uh, the line in Star Wars where uh, Han Solo brags that uh, his ship made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs? Now, and then they tried to explain that in Solo yes! and it just didn't work? Just... No, but, but they explained that in the book, and the book later became canon in Solo. It's... Okay, so here's the thing. If you actually look at the original script for Star Wars, um, when Han Solo says that, um, Obi-Wan and Luke, like, shoot a look at each other, and it says they give each other a look um, based on what's obviously misinformation. Like, Han Solo's making crap up to try to impress them so that they'll buy his ship. Um but the, so they could have just left it at that. He said something that makes no sense because he's trying to hustle them. But they, no, they had to explain this because a parsec isn't a time; it's a space distance. Like, so they're like, well, for him to make the castle run in less than twelve parsecs. It, it, okay, so I guess what happened is that he had to find a shorter route. <laughs> So, because right, the, so the exactly. So system... he looked behind the fence that said "Do not enter" and found a shortcut. Well, it's like the Kessel system is like surrounded by black holes or something, and you have to take the long way around to go across all the different um, planets to collect spices or whatever. And Han Solo just goes in between the black holes because he figured out the exact way you could do it, and so he did it in less than twelve parsecs. And and that later became canon because they did the same thing in Solo. It's like, of all the things to keep from the Star Wars books. <sighs> I mean, I like how they try and explain it, but when Star Wars tries to explain science, it gets real fucky <laughs> yeah. real fast. Yeah, like, that's uh, what the midichlorians are. Like, we're, they're trying to explain the Force with science. Like. I mean, one of my favorite things, especially because I'm such a astronomy dork and stuff like mm -hmm. that, um, is when they try and explain the unknown regions and when they try and explain the galactic barrier, which is something that's uh, a similar concept in Star Trek, though yes and no. Sometimes it exists, sometimes it doesn't. Um, in, in Star Wars, uh, the unknown regions is the eastern side of the galaxy uh near um. <laughs> dantooine and stuff like that there's no and east in space <laughs> yeah so it's east of the galactic plane so when you're on the galactic plane on that side of from the galactic what perspective map, <laughs> oh, come on from top down looking on that side of the map <laughs> from top down. <laughs> there are there are no plottable hyperspace routes and nobody knows why although funnily enough somehow grand admiral thrawn came from a place called chiss over there and that's in the unknown regions and same with dathomir is quote-unquote in the unknown or it's in the hapian cluster i think um but yeah so nothing is allowed to leave or if you do, you go insane and you never come home again. Yet the Yuzon Vong in their generational world ships were able to come through, I think. And here's something that always bothered me. And this is something I found weird. And I actually went down a very deep rabbit hole on this. At the end of The Empire Strikes Back, when Luke and Leia and 3PO and R2 are on the deck of the Nebulon Beef uh, medical frigate, they're looking out at the Star Wars galaxy from the outside. 
and you're looking at the Star Wars galaxy, and there are two satellite galaxies. Uh, ga- you'll love these names. Galaxy A and Galaxy B. Wish um, oh, I wish it was Galaxy A and Galaxy 1. And when you look at these galaxies, now, in theory, it shouldn't be possible to travel to them, but because books and it makes cool plot, uh, you can travel to these satellite galaxies, but they are supposedly dead galaxies and don't have a lot of planets in them. I think Camino is in Galaxy A, but I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me on that. Um, and yeah, I also found out there are space ghosts uh, in these regions. They're called Space Wraiths is one, and Space Weirds. That's a name. <laughs> um, space Weirds are uh, beings that cause people to go insane. Like they'll start sabotaging things. Jedi go to the dark side. I think one is supposed to be the and the antithesis of a force ghost. That's what happens to bad Jedi. Um, and yeah, that's a thing. Uh, did you know there's zombies in star Wars? Several I mean, versions of there, them too. There had to have been eventually like every, every sci-fi franchise introduces their own version of zombies at some point. There was a book, and I think it came out in 2000, it was before 2010, at least I'm almost positive, and it was called Death Troopers. Great name. Wicked cover, though. Uh, it's a Stormtrooper helmet on a hook, and it's half of it's cracked open, and you can see, like, a skull underneath, so it looks badass. Somehow, I th- and it so- somehow stars Han Solo and Chewbacca, I think. And it involves an Imperial bioweapon that went wrong on a Star Destroyer, killed the crew, and they come back as zombies. And uh, every zombie trope, like people hiding a bite, you can't leave, someone has to stay behind to make sure this never happens again. And I think there was a sequel book as well. I'm not 100% sure. Um, Yeah, that was a thing. And there are... Uh, Sith zombies that live near Sith crypts uh, to protect them. I think they're on Corbin or something. So, yeah, that's a thing, too. I, that's just a lot of information for me to process. <laughs> yes. Galaxy A, east of Galaxy B. <laughs> oh, yeah. And don't even get me started on what's in the deep core of Star Wars, because somehow... It follows traditional science until it doesn't. Um, Like, the Emperor has the only hyperspace route safely through the galactic core to his fortress world of Bis. And if you follow anything about astronomy, the center of any galaxy is very, very active. It's full of older stars, a lot of black holes, a a lot of stellar phenomenon that is remarkably friggin' dangerous. And yet the Emperor has a world that is completely temperate, exists in the perfect habitable zone of a star, and has oxygen. Because, hey, he's just that lucky. Um, I'm still stuck on Han Solo winning a planet in a card game. (laughs) Yep, he played a game of Sabic against Prince, and I can't remember what his name... I was going to call him Prince Caspian, but... No, this is not the line, the witch in the wardrobe, but would it surprise you? Uh, yeah, he won the planet and he was going to give it to Leia, but they wanted to, 
Leia to marry into this family because it would strengthen the Rebel Alliance because it would they would gain what a fleet or something. Yeah, the <laughs> Rebel Alliance is like, look, man, you got to do this. We need the manpower. And Han's like, no, but I love her, man. Here, here's a planet. And that's how you got people from the Jedi Academy trilogy. And, oh, by the way, I've left out the so, best part. So, someone wrote a Jane Austen novel in the Star Wars universe. Yes. And also, it, in, it is also the home planet of one of the biggest and most important creatures in Star Wars. Do you know what creature it is? Three um, guesses and the first two don't count. The the giant worm in space in the second movie. Nope, the Rancor. Because of course, force sensitive witches can ride wan- Rancors. I mean, hey, it's a cool Wh- idea. I, I like Wancors. Let's go with Wh- Wancors. Wh- why is the Rancor one of the most important creatures in the universe? <laughs> because it, it because it was on screen and it got a cool toy, thus marketable. <laughs> You know, I was a little embarrassed because when the dude who took her the Rancor cried, I also cried a little bit. Yeah, like, it's... It It was a little touching. Like, there is just so many weird, bizarre things in Star Wars. I mean, speaking of Chewbacca's uh, son or nephew or whoever the fuck he was, um, this, I, I hated this. He had, he wore this around his neck. He wore a droid who would speak to him. But then it, <laughs> yeah. So literally he wore about that. a translator. Yeah. So, so instead you got to listen to Microsoft Sam speak to you all day. Um, I guess it's better than hearing <laughs> Chewie talk, but still. <sighs> what if it breaks and it just repeats it in Microsoft Sam? Oh, roar, 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 roar. <laughs> Where do you keep extra batteries as a Wookiee? Oh. I guess the bandolier. That's what the first for. This just yeah. draws more attention to the fact that the Star Wars holiday special has an extended scene of Wookiees talking to each other with no translation or mm. subtitles. Oh my god. I hope someone has done this, and it really wouldn't surprise me. And I'm looking to you, internet. <laughs> there is a website and I wish I remembered what it was. Cause I'd love to give a shout out, but there is a subreddit on, on Reddit for star Wars D six. And I really hope. And if you're listening out there, I, I want you to email Tom and then send this to me. I want the stats for, um, the four legged or the four armed woman who cooks. And I want stats for, uh, who is it? (laughs) Harvey Corman. He's going to make an appearance. If I ever run a Star Wars games, Harvey Corman is going to appear on life day. No less. Harvey Corman versus space Shiva. Do we have stats for Jackson or however you say his name? The rabbit guy. Yes, I have. I have seen those, whether they're (laughs) official stats. I don't know. I've seen his action figure. It's actually not bad. Um, yeah, so I actually just heard about Jackson the other day because someone left a comment on my previous episode of Wikisif saying, I hope you do Star Wars next. Mention Jackson. I'm like, who's Jackson? Why is there a rabbit in Star Wars? He's the um, Star Wars version of Bucky O'Hare. Yeah, that's what it looked like. I mean, that and sounds I th- fun. I think he's canon because uh, he was... In the old comic series, which just became Legends now, but he also has an entry in the main canon 
on Wikipedia too. So I they they brought him out of Legends and made him canon. I Star Wars continuity is such a mess. <laughs> I'd like to know how this gets approved. Like, what are you allowed to cherry pick as some <laughs> of the know. fun things? Like, like for example, I, I, I know I was going to talk about some of of the role-playing game here. So I have yeah. in front of me the Thrawn Trilogy source book, which I have the other books in hardcover, but this collects mm -hmm. all the information in one easy-to-read tome. Did you know there are space dragons? In Star Wars, I bet you didn't, but now you do. Uh, well, I mean, the, they're the crate dragons and Tatooine. Oh no, but you get these are a player race. Uh, so these, wait, so I can be Panzer Dragoon? That's awesome. Uh, so I'm going to read part of this pas uh, of this passage, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this, but I think it's called Dewey Nuguin. Or star okay. dragons are a sad and noble species given to championing lost causes. They are huge, snake-like multipeds with with gossamer wings and expressive, intelligent eyes. Star dragons. Oh, so they're one of the colossi from Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, I'm getting to that. Star dragons average oh. about ten meters in height, but legends right. persist that a few ancient. I'm not going to read it again, have reached sizes of over 100 meters and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then it gives you player stats. Um, let me Hot. see. They start with an attribute so dice can... of 18D. <laughs> so you can, so you can play as a 100 meter tall creature. Yes, because they have a mechanical skill die, which tops out at four dice, which means, in <laughs> theory, this star dragon could pilot an X-Wing as good as Luke Skywalker. But it can't fit in one. <laughs> it's a big X-Wing. Oh, yeah. It's well, a big X-Wing. Oh, yeah. And let me see. What's another fun alien species here? Oh, let me see. Let's talk about the rock people. Um, they essentially, if you've seen uh, uh, Thor, uh, Thor Ragnarok or Thor uh, or Avengers Endgame, Korg, the big rock man, they're called the Valkyrie. No way. Oh, sorry. They are Ukans. Or Ukans. I don't know how to pronounce them. Ukans. <laughs> so, Ukans are known to some as they are the most efficient farmers and horticulturists in the galaxy. <laughs> they are among the gentlest species in existence. The the Ukans are hairless bipedal humanoids with green skin and thin red eyes, which narrow to slits. They are humanoid, but average to human. Unless uh, Ukans appear to be incorrectly assembled. They appear gangly and awkward. Their slight build gives them impressive strength. So, um, actually, Tom, I'm going to send you a really quick picture of this on okay. Facebook right now. And you can see what I'm looking at. And, yeah, that's one of the weirder species that I've seen, though not the strangest. There's another group of snake people. I think they're called the Verpine. Or those, no, sorry, those are insect people. Um, one of this, and I wish I could remember precisely where I saw this, but I've got a crystal clear memory of this. There was a role-playing game adventure where in the Star Wars universe, you fought the Borg. Not even kidding. Mm. They even assimilated people. So it does answer the age-old question, can a lightsaber stop a Borg? 
because okay. money. Okay, so I'm looking at this picture you sent me. Uh, okay, that's that's just the thing from Fantastic Four, but with a fanny pack. Yeah, and that's a creature you can play at. Oh, I'll che- I'll see if I can find the picture of the Star Dragon for you. Let me go back. <laughs> Let me see. Oh, I've got Whale People, if you want that one. That's a good one. So, let's see. Someone definitely has an OC of a whale person who's a Jedi. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think they get a specialty to force dice, actually. Uh, well... Oh, they're gamblers! Because fish whale people. Yeah, that's a thing. Aren't you glad? Oh, let me show you this picture, Tom. You can play as one of these motherfuckers. There's another fun race. So... Okay, all of these things are are these were these created for the role playing system or did they take them from other uh, Star Wars media? What is this? Well, this appears in the Thrawn trilogy source book, which means these creatures may have just been mentioned in passing, and somebody right. was allowed to fill that out. And I yeah. know when the role playing game was developed uh, by Bill Slavisek and the crew at West End Games. They had pretty much free reign to do what they want. They had to go by a few people at Lucasfilm at the time. But as long as it wasn't too outrageous or stupid, they were fine. I mean, there were certain rules they had to follow. For example, one of them is I know you weren't allowed to talk about the Clone Wars in specifics. It was only... You could talk around it, but you couldn't say, oh, Anakin fought at the Battle of Majito and accomplished this. You couldn't say that. But if you said, oh, these were developed during the Clone Wars and they were old Republic cruisers like Thrawn did. And by the way, how the fuck did Thrawn get a Romulan cloaking device? Um, I digress. He found um, it. <laughs> Well, oh, course, they're different than the Romulan cloaking devices because they're double cloaks, right? Oh, uh, th- right, because they was... hide you from visual and electronic. No, because, like, they cloak you to the world uh, around you, but they also uh, cloak they you blind from the inside, you too. So you can... Yeah. So it's, which was kind of an interesting twist, and it's like something that kind of sounded useless, but then Thrawn came up with all these brilliant uses for them. It was actually really good. But yeah, I mean, the Star Wars role-playing game had a lot of really interesting stuff, especially the West End game stuff. I found as companies picked up the license later on, when Wizards of the Coast picked up the D20 edition and the Saga editions, the books got a little less weird. I mean, they were still referencing stuff from Knights of the Old Republic. They did a book on the Yuuzhan Vong. And then when Fantasy Flight picked it up, I don't think they did very many source books, and I don't think a lot of them were as rich as the previous West End game stuff, which um, is still quite collectible today. There was a, a anniversary edition printed in the last two years of the first edition of the book, although arguably the best version of D20, or sorry, of Star Wars D6 is second edition revised and expanded that came out in about the mid nineties. And the books are still very affordable, but now with Star Wars taking off and role-playing be being the new hotness right now, I would expect those books to start going up in value pretty fast. 
I have a question. Do any of the Star Wars role-playing games have player stats for one of those droids that has no arms and is just legs with a box? Oh, gonk droids? Yes. Yes, actually. There, there, <laughs> oh, there is an entire book dedicated to them. <laughs> not even kidding. Gonks. No, not to gonk droids, but droids in general. If oh, you okay. wanted to play a gonk droid, if you wanted to play a protocol droid, even in the main book, if you wanted to play C-3PO... You can do that. Party on, bitch. You can play an astromech for some reason. That would be the world's worst role-playing experience I can imagine. Unless How you... is that worse than gunk? I don't know. It's just it sounds so dumb. Like beep 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 boo boo. That's not fun. That's weird. I mean, that's a good one-off character. Um we had a friend uh or we have a friend, a mutual acquaintance named Darla. And we were playing a Star Wars role-playing game. I think they were the game master. And I remember, I seem to remember the gonk droid kicking the shit out of a Sith Lord because we launched him at him. <laughs> so the gonk droids are not entirely useless. They make effective grenades. Uh, Steve-O, if, you, if you're not familiar with the gonk droids, they're called gonk droids. I think it's kind of oh, more I of know. a fan gonk, name. Gonk, yeah. gonk, I, yeah, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I, 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 I don't it. think that's their official name. I'm pretty sure that's what just, it just is. what the fans I, called them. Wait, it, it is? It, it became uh, slang, right. and then it got adopted by Lucasfilm yeah. as time went on. But yeah, I think they're officially called Power Droids unofficially. Yeah, so, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Like, It's one of those things that it was like a fan thing, and then it turned into something real. There is so much extra crap to talk about how there's really yeah. bizarre versions of like tie fighters that make no fucking oh, sense yeah. i mean one version i like the idea of it but i hate the execution it was introduced and i want to say rogue one i think it's called the tie striker and it take <laughs> and it Any cuts verb. off and yeah it's so weird so they take the tie body like the main cockpit they flatten the wings up top so it's just two wings and the toy could shoot a nerf dart because sure um there was the tie uh, there was a version called the tie defender which yeah. was a super advanced tie fighter prototype and i think you could play with that in star wars x-wing versus tie fighter or star wing tie fighter um I played the TIE Fighter quite a bit. There were so many different... Uh, was the TIE Defender the one that had three fins and they were all yes. like Y-shaped? And so it's yeah. just this mishmash of polygons going in every yeah. direction. I mean, it looked cool and it, it had a really cool mission profile. And I'm thinking at least in certain ways that makes more sense to me than say a fucking B-Wing which the yeah. way that thing operates because of its weird gyroscope, which is, I can't imagine being a pilot and flying that because yeah, you're moving I, the ship around you. Not the, not you around. No. How, yeah. how am I trying to phrase this? The ship moves around the cockpit. So you're always stationary, but the ship is doing the dodging and weaving unless it's in a locked wing position. I think um, like, to yeah, me, they, the X-Wing makes sense. They really took advantage of the fact that in space there's no gravity and there's no wind resistance. And so you can make 
So the design philosophy for anyone who makes ships in Star Wars or anything like that is basically anything goes, any shape works. It doesn't matter. We'll make we'll make a unicorn with a, a unicorn for its horn, and that'll be a ship. Like, yeah, like I I don't understand imperial design philosophy. Although I can tell you who designs all their ships because I'm that big of a dork. Sinier flight system. Somehow they have the imperial contract in perpetuity. Um, and yeah, like there's just some really straight. Like to me, the Tie Bomber makes sense. The Tie Fighter makes sense. Tie Advance. Why they didn't mass produce those is beyond me. I guess cost because money. Um, but then you get Tie Interceptor. Tie That's a great ship. Like some of these Tie designs yeah, are great. Cool. And when you look at the Rebel designs, the Y-Wing makes sense. The X-Wing was built upon sort of the test bed for the Z-95 Headhunter, I think. Right. But we've never seen that on screen. I think maybe in Clone Wars you do, but not on the traditional screen. Um, And that's the thing, too. Like, there are so many cool ships that we just never see. Like, even the Corellian Corvette, I don't think got its proper due until, like, Rogue One. And then in Star Wars Squadrons, where you fight against them pretty regularly on the in the Imperial campaign, or you see the Nebulon B frigates. Those are cool looking. The Mon Calamari Star Cruisers. By the way, I hate that name. Um, yeah, I know, really. Like, um, really? A little on the nose? Oh, there's so many things in Star Wars that are on the nose. Like, um, in the books, there's one... Um, I think villain who was like a frog-like creature, and the name of his species was Ribbit. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I also kind of love how anything in the Star Wars movie that there's more than one version of the the like the canon just got expanded from there. It's like, oh, there's an ATAT and an ATST, but what if there's also an ATPT and an AT? 2t like yeah and it's weird there are even sub classifications of the atpt because of the thrawn trilogy in that source book that was the first place i saw the atpt because that was a small walker that was probably about seven or eight meters tall it could fit a single person as a mobile armored platform but when you saw star wars revenge of the sith the clones on Kashyyyk had ATPTs when they were looking through the bodies of the Wookiees for Yoda. And it's nice to see the technology evolve. Like, hell, even in Star Wars Rogue One, they have a AT-AT, but it's not an AT-AT. It's a different version, so they could sell you the Scarif version <laughs> of right. the toy. It just has a larger uh, troop transport compartment. Hell, even speeders are strange. Like, the typical... Yeah. Imperial thing. I think they use the Aerotech or something like that. And then there's the speeder bikes, and those are different from swoops because swoops are basically a pod racing engine with a a seat on it. Um, and the physics of pod racing uh, <laughs> that's enough to melt your brain. Yeah, it's so. I mean. It's very wizard, Annie. Fun. The sit-down arcade cabinet's even better. But the when you look at the stats in any game, you're like, oh my god, how the piss does this work? 
Um, but yeah, it's just seeing some of these designs, either them being rebel or they be the imperial or what other species has their own kind of signature on stuff. Some of it makes sense. I mean, I like how the Mon Calamari Star Cruisers, they're supposed to be very organic looking, like the coral of the Mon Cal homeworld. Um, but you don't get a lot of screen time with them outside of the expanded universe stuff, stuff that's on TV and the movies. You see them for less than 10 minutes. I think you see them a bunch in The Last Jedi, but I don't remember much about that movie, probably for the better. Um and to talk about glaring Star Wars holes, Tom, if you and Steve-O let me, I could give you an academic essay on why <laughs> I wish to destroy J.J. Abrams and everything he has ever touched regarding oh, Rise man. of Skywalker. In fact, I've never said this oh. on a podcast. Ooh, scandalous. There's a guy, and I'll, I'm going to leave his name out of it, but he was a friend's yeah. boyfriend of mine. This guy would have died on the cross for Rey Skywalker saying she's the most powerful Jedi of all time. She can beat up any of the people you've ever mentioned because she's hot. I wish I was kidding. That was his argument. Because she's cute, she can beat the fuck out of Ahsoka Tano, Mace Windu, Anakin Skywalker at the height of his power, Quinlan Voss. You stupid child. And it's come to the point where we, I have now become that nerd to which I hate. You know what I mean? That gatekeeping twat. Um, and it just, it bothered me because Star Wars, it's so strange. And some of the continuity is so mixed up. Like if it's not on the screen, it doesn't count. But now it does. Star Wars' yeah. biggest problem was opening up its continuity too much because the stuff that happens in the comics when Disney acquired them in 2012, I think it was, or 2014, whatever it was, that's all canon now. Anything that happens that's written now counts. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, that counts. And we saw that on screen in the book of Boba Fett when we saw... Uh, the droid model that BD-8 was. Was it BD-8? No. Am I thinking of the right droid? No, I'm thinking of BB-8, but BD-8 was Cal Kessis's droid. Um, and when you look, because as we discussed in the early legend stuff, it was the Wild West. You could do whatever you wanted from Leia's life model decoy shooting eye lasers to frog people to Chewbacca... I'm sorry, I'm never letting it go, Steve. Getting a, a moon dropped on him. <laughs> and uh, it's I okay, think it's all right. Two of um, a lizard man with a Fu Manchu mustache seducing Leia with his pheromones. Yeah, or, you know, Luke being turned into a robot from a dinosaur. Like, it's <laughs> so dumb. It's so dumb. And there's a video <laughs> reviewer years ago. He doesn't do content anymore. But he made a very interesting point that I always thought was really funny uh, about Star Wars. Now, do you remember in A New Hope where Leia's hiding from the stormtroopers aboard the Corvette? She gets yeah. shot by the stormtroopers and they say, set blasters to stun and they shoot her, right? Yeah. And it looks like rings. Yeah. Now, a lightsaber, a lightsaber can block a blaster bolt. Yep. In your Boy, opinion, should a lightsaber be able to to block a stun blast. I would say yes. 
No, because <laughs> this this be okay, no good Yeah, but a book later <laughs> did answer it. I think it was the Dark oh, Saber, no. and Admiral Dalla, our favorite Imperial from the Thrawn trilogy, walks up to a Jedi Master who had taken over this Death Star super laser that hadn't been installed in something because evidently the Imperial Army just has a million of these things just lying around, and she says. Well, you can't block this because it's not a bolt and shoots them with stun rings and leaves them to die. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Think about the physics of Star Wars weapons sometimes, because think about this, too. Again, going back to the role playing game, because this is where a lot of my expertise comes from. Stormtrooper armor is made out of plastisteel, right? Which means it's light. It's yeah. flexible. It's fairly tough. Slug it's, throwers. It's kind of useless, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A blaster bolt will cut right through it. Now, it's supposed to be hardened against blaster bolts, but as we see, not so much the case. Um, I have books uh, based on Star Wars weaponry. Purely, it's a gun book, like a Shadowrun Splat yeah. book or a cyberpunk shopping catalog. You could, in theory, walk up to a stormtrooper with today's equivalent of a 12-gauge shotgun and open him up like he would be like a blood splatter on the wall. Technology is remarkably inconsistent across Star Wars uh, weaponry, too, because we all think of the lightsaber as the be-all and end-all, and don't get me started on the dark saber and cortosis and all this other bullshit that they brought I on. I still do not understand what the deal with vibroblades is. Um, it's, Oh, they go, it basically works. No, they upon, don't. Well, the idea is it's supposed to work upon the, the idea that it's vibrating so fast with a microsized power cell that it essentially creates a vibrating blade that, mm, vibrates at the molecular level um these were a big problem when i used to game master in the 1990s because my players would constantly use these to slice through things they shouldn't be able to and i said at the time if you can explain it to me and make it have make sense in the real world I will allow it, even if the game rules don't say it should. And I'm sure somebody in your audience is, is throwing tomatoes or bodily fluids at me. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay. And then my players started using them as throwing knives. Uh. You can guess how well that <laughs> went for my, for my NPCs. Uh, but yeah, like vibroblades, I always found interesting because you look at other m melee weapons like the... Um, electro staffs used by the magna guards with general grievous somehow those can block a lightsaber um and i'm like all right sure why not why does nobody carry personal force shields they they exist in universe there are stats for them you, they use them in knights of the old republic you can mount a shield on your arm but nobody in the prequel trilogy uses them nobody in the ot uses them nobody in the sequel trilogy uses them and I guess that's just because they leave that exclusively to Rebels, Clone Wars, and Star Wars Resistance. Though I don't think that show is very good, but I also don't know. Um, Star Wars' biggest problem is it's mo it's inconsistent. Having yeah. a lore as wide as it is, as accessible as it is, means a lot of stuff is going to get through the cracks. And you're going to get a lot of really dumb shit come through. And... With Star Trek, for example, 
there's like you guys mentioned, there's 800 novels. There's a Star Trek novel. I'm sure you guys talked about it where Captain Probably Kirk not. got assimilated by the Borg um, <laughs> and was brought <laughs> back to life by Spock. Yet. Yeah. He gets brought back to life by Spock and they defeat the Romulans because the Borg, I don't know. It's dumb. Um, we we yeah. started at the beginning with the Star Trek novels, and we got through maybe a dozen, and uh, that was like two hours. So we're yeah. like, we'll we'll continue this. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's one of these properties that when when you pay attention to it, it's great. When you get the when you get the continuity right, seeing callbacks is neat. Like when I saw the droid from Jedi Fallen Order show up in the Mandalorian, because that droid would have been around, I think, 10 or, or the, 15 the years. Dark Troopers. Like. Yeah. And that's the first time we'd seen them outside of Jedi Dark Forces 1. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Different. I mean, yeah. we've seen space troopers on scene, but they're very small, but they're there. So when continuity works in Star Wars, it's wonderful. It's neat to see these things that are only referenced about in comic books or on the show. Like, hell, the ghost shows up at the end of Rise of Skywalker, and they mention uh, Hera in in, uh, Rogue One when they're on Yavin. They'll say, Captain Hera, please come to the main deck. So it's neat seeing these things. But Captain Hera, please report to the principal's office. It's cool, but when you get it wrong, it leads you down a very stupid rabbit hole where you start asking the wrong questions and you just realize you're going to end up with another Jackson sooner or later. (laughs) Oh, I I didn't even mention that one of Jackson's companions was a guy who thought he was a Jedi and his name was Don Juan Coyote. I remember this. I do remember this. And it's so stupid. Um, I mean, my closing thoughts are going to be when Star Wars works, it's wonderful. But you have so many authors contributing so many different sources of continuity. It's hard to keep it in line. Unlike the Marvel movies, which, you know, if you watch them in order, you don't need to know a lot. Sometimes they'll reference something that happened on a TV show, which is going to happen with Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. They're very accessible. Is there some weird shit in there? Yeah, but not so much. Um, with star Wars, it's so hard because it is so fantastical. And do I want star Wars to be Marvel? No. Now that it's under the house no. of mouse, I wonder how things are going to go. I'm glad they're trying to keep continuity, but they're slowly erasing canon when it comes to the sequel trilogy. See, Star Wars has has sucked me in and spat me out multiple times. Like, yep. uh, like mm-hmm. the like Sexy. like when um when the prequels came out and like I kind of liked them okay at first, but over time they just like you know like none of this continuity makes any sense anymore. I'm not really like I. Like, I wasn't as immersed in Star Wars anymore. Over time, I just kind of gave up on it. It's just like, there's, there's like so many different takes on the continuity now. I'm like, I just kind of gave up. And then, um, and then when the, when J.J. Abrams did his new trilogy, that got me back into Star Wars again. And then I, and then Rise of Skywalker pulled me back out. And then Mandalorian pulled me back in. But it's like, (laughs) I just, 
I can't stay a Star Wars fan. Yeah, it's but it, I can't it's not so hard. stay one either. <laughs> yeah, it's like it it's it's an abusive relationship. It, <laughs> it really is, and I'm not saying that to disparage people, but when you want something to be so good and something so true to your childhood, something that's honestly yeah. inspiring at times, it's great. Like Mando had moments and I'm not afraid to say it, that made me tear up in, mm. even in the book of Boba Fett, which was very critically divisive. There's a moment that I did cry because I was genuinely, I cared in that moment for those characters and I was about to say, please don't let anything bad happen here. And, you know, my mm. faith was rewarded. But when you have someone like J.J. Abrams, who I'm pretty sure had somebody explain the Thrawn trilogy to him, but he was half listening and then scribbled it on the back of a napkin to which he wiped his ass with, you get Rise of Skywalker. But then you get amazing television from Dave uh, Filoni and Mando. It's, it's hard to say, who do I follow now? Like, what's the best Star Wars? Honestly, the best Star Wars in the last 20 years is on TV. And will that always be the case? Well, the book of Boba Fett kind of showed us, mm, I'm not sure. And, you know, Rogue One is only now really getting the appreciation because as of this recording date, it was trending on Twitter. James Gunn, uh, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy and The Suicide Squad, was like, I don't know why this is trending, but it's one of the best things Star Wars has ever done. But then you get stuff like Solo, which I hated at first. I'm starting oh. to like it more, but not for the reasons you might expect. I like the performances, but I don't like the story. You know what I uh, mean? I... Uh, I a while back, uh, you might remember I posted on Facebook. I I put my ranked list of um of uh, most favorite to least favorite uh, Star Wars movies, and mm -hmm. uh, when I got to the bottom, I had uh, I had like um staring at a wall, and then under that I had hitting myself in my own stupid face, and under <laughs> that I had Solo. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there are parts of that movie. Like, I think Donald Glover is a wonderful Lando. That, honestly, yeah, I don't... I, I find didn't, that tragic. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, if you gave me a two-hour movie about Lando without Han Solo, that I yeah. wanted to see. But I don't need to know how he got the Falcon. I don't need to know that the Falcon was once a droid who's now in eternal servitude, nor that Darth Maul is still alive. You know what I, I mean? It takes need, away. I don't need a prequel explaining to me why Han Solo calls Chewbacca Chewie for short. Yeah. Like it's so, <laughs> it's so unnecessary and it takes away from some of the mythos that a lot of us create our own head canon as we become Star Wars fans. And I don't know, like I want Star Wars to be better. I want better television. I want better movies. I don't think there should be a Star Wars theatrical movie for at least 10 years. Take a rest. If you want to do Rogue Squadron, I'd be okay with that. Because I know Patty Jenkins, I don't think she's attached anymore. That's a story that should be told. Because if you gave me Top Gun in space, but with X-Wings, imagine how that would look in IMAX. Just imagine that for a moment. That could be phenomenal.
because you you are not constrained by f- physics anymore. It's what you can create with computer generated <laughs> tools. But right. when you start veering away from that and doing something a little goofier like solo, you get something with diminishing returns. Because I listen to an American radio station called MMR in Philly. And when Solo came out, there were so many advertisements for it. And then when that movie failed at the box office, you heard nothing about it. Yet everybody talked for Mandalorian. They're still talking about it today. Like, Star Wars can be remarkably powerful if put in the right hands. And the problem is, as we've discussed on this show, you have to give the keys to the right people. And Star Wars, Lizard, Dinosaur... Luke Skywalker does not work, but see, like I, I don't have, I don't have the same strong feelings uh, towards uh, Star Wars I once had. At this point, I'm just kind of like casual fan. Yeah, well, like it, at this point, I'm like, if they do a good job with with something with Star Wars, you know, I'll, I'll happily go see it. If they do a terrible train wreck, I kind of want to see that too. Like, cause, yeah, because <laughs> I enjoy those both. Han Solo or the Solo movie was like the middle ground where it's like stupid but not fun stupid like yeah like um, I want more movies like Rogue One that was great I have I'm cautiously optimistic for the Cassian Andor series we'll see Obi-Wan I hope's good but I'm nervous because after Book of Boba Fett I don't know how to feel about Obi-Wan because my last experience with that was the OG Xbox game, Obi-Wan. Oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just Not so good. I see a movie where Leia Organa 2 shoots blaster bolts out of her eyes and kills a Triclops <laughs> during their wedding. But speaking of, Tom, did you get that image I sent you? Oh, uh... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I don't know how to describe this. I'm so you want something different? Mike. Give me the light speed ram where they cut Kirk Van Houten's arm off. <laughs> okay, I'm sending this to Mike because I don't even oh, know how to describe <laughs> this. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I spent entirely too much time making that Photoshop, by the way. <laughs> oh, you made that? <laughs> That's, oh, that's really, really good. good. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> You've got to put that in like a Star Wars shit posting group because that's good. I tried to post it to Simpsons Bort posting on Facebook and it got declined. Oh, I don't understand weird. that. Betrayal. That's really frustrating. But yeah, yeah. Do me a favor. You find a Star Wars shit posting. You have my full permission to post it as your OG. <laughs> All right, uh, that's it for today. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. <laughs> Please review us on whatever you're listening to us on. It doesn't have to be a good review. And all Any that is bullshit. If you're not sure what to say, just say these people are a bunch of sad loser nerd monkeys. Until yes. next time. No, 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 no. Let us know what you would do if you found out you were marrying a killbot. <laughs> Deeply dark things I cannot mention on this podcast. <laughs> But can be found on Pornhub.com. Oh, yes. I, too, am parched and would like a glass of water. (laughs) Thirst is real.